Welcome to It Is Written Canada. Thank you for joining us. Our special guest is Jacob Hibbert, a successful businessman, pastor, and administrator who lived during World War II under the rule of communism when being a Christian was illegal. Though it was illegal to practice Christianity, that did not stop Jacob and his family. They were like Daniel's three friends who said, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us. Jacob, we are so looking forward to hearing your intriguing story. So welcome to It Is Written Canada. I'm happy to share my experience with you. Jacob, uh, part of your story that's so important is your heritage. So tell us about your heritage. My ancestors came from Holland. And during the Reformation, they changed from Catholicism to the Mennonite faith. The reason being they believed that the Bible and the Bible only should be the rule of faith in all matters of religious practice. But shortly after they had done that, their religious persecution arose in their homeland. And they were forced to flee and leave their homeland and go to Northern Germany. They stayed there for some years and enjoyed religious freedom and enjoyed many years of family life. When in the later part of the 18th century, Catherine the Great of Russia, who was of German descent, uh, gave free homesteading to all the Mennonites because they were known for their uh, tilling of the soil and they knew how to raise good crops. And uh, my relatives or my ancestors decided they would take up that uh, challenge as well. And so they accepted that uh, offer and uh, they moved to the Ukraine. They were also promised religious freedom and they were promised that they would not have to bear arms in case of a war. It was uh, after around uh, the time that the Second World War started that I was born and uh, everything suddenly changed. Uh, we no longer had religious freedom. The war, of course, was everywhere. Uh, I come from a family of uh, five altogether. There's three of my, two of my siblings, my sister, brother, and myself, and I'm the youngest of the family. I was born as the war, as the Second World War started. And uh, after a miraculous escape from east to west, which took place in 1946, we were uh, happy to cross the border and come to West Germany, where we had partial freedom. Then in 1949, our family immigrated to Canada, and Canada is now my home. So Jacob, you were living in communist Russia and you were promised religious freedom. You were also promised that you wouldn't have to bear arms. 
but that changed with World War I. Yes. My father was in World War I, and uh, it was an interesting experience that he had. The officers asked him to take a gun and to shoot at a certain target. And so my dad aimed, and he hit the target right on. And then the officer said, very good, try that again. And so my father immediately realized, what am I doing? If I hit that target again, I'll be in the uh, uh, greatest part of the fighting. So my dad aimed at a target way off, and he hit that target. But the communist uh, chief said, oh, that's not good. That was luck the first time. And so he didn't have to bear arms. He was a cook. And so in the First World War, as well as the Second World War, he did not bear arms. And uh, that was a leading of God, I believe. Absolutely. But, but here you are, Second World War. Now, you're born at that time. Yes. Leading into the Second World War. Um, now, looking at that situation, your dad had to leave, but you were in the middle of real hot battle. I mean, the Germans were coming in, but you were German living in Russia. How did that work out? Well, sometimes we were neither fish nor fowl. We were <laughs> not Ukrainian, we were not Russian, we were German, and yet we were in a different country. But uh, the Lord saw us through all of those experiences. And uh, it also uh, affected us as far as the uh, people around us. Uh, when we spoke German, they felt that we should have spoken uh, Ukrainian. So you weren't accepted by the people from the Ukraine? No. And then when the, when the Germans came in, what was that like? When the Germans came in, they accepted us. And they said, uh, of course, the Germans, as we know from history, they uh, went far into Russia and uh, drove the Russians way back. And uh, so then when the Russians uh, decided to strengthen their forces and drove the Germans back, the Germans said, you are Germans come out with us. <clears throat> Did you want to go with them? We wanted to go with them. But uh, the Germans had jeeps and tanks and motorcycles and all kinds of vehicles. And we were on foot. We had nothing. We were refugees. And so they retreated a lot faster, not because of their choice, but because they were forced to retreat. And so we stayed behind. And that was a deterrent for us as well, because now the, the Russians saw what the Germans had done to their own people, and then we became their bitterest enemies. So you weren't accepted by the Russians. You weren't accepted, well, now you, you, they fled. They wanted to, to take you back, but you, you were stuck. We had no country. So how did this, this journey for you, this journey to freedom, how did it how did it take place now you're you're in russia um how do you get out it was uh, around 1925 when uh, religious freedom really was uh, taken away uh, of course communism started in 1917 but uh, as we get closer to 1925 the uh, soviet union borders were closed 
and uh, things uh, took a turn altogether to the worse. My aunt and my grandmother uh, then immigrated to Canada, to Ontario, Canada, and for a long time we did not know where they were. But later on we found uh, each other and that later on uh, helped us to know where we wanted to immigrate to. So Jacob, can you take us back to the miraculous story of your escape as a family from East Germany to West Germany? Yes, it was a rather long procedure. When communism first started and we realized that uh, religious freedom was being taken away and that increased or became worse, we were under Stalin's uh, regime. And Stalin, as you probably know, was very ruthless, a very ruthless leader. And so my father said, since he was a minister, he said, we have no future here in Russia or in the Ukraine. We need to lay plans to escape. But it was easier said than done because the war was raging everywhere and we couldn't just simply uh, go on a plane or even take a train. All the trains were used for the army and any transportation, the war came first and we came after that. But uh, my father said, we need to have a plan. Let us uh, decide that we are going to go toward freedom as much as possible. And so we were in the southern part of Ukraine. And so gradually we made our way from Ukraine up to Poland, from Poland over to uh, East Germany, and from East Germany to West Germany. That was the crucial border crossing. Had we been caught there, I would not be sitting here and telling my story. And uh, my father said, if we ever get separated, we need to uh, have a plan so that we know how to find each other. A lot of people located other members of the family through the Red Cross. But our plan was, if we ever lost track of each other, we would write to our headquarters office in Berlin uh, the church headquarters office and would ask, has anyone uh, seen a lady with uh, three children and another lady with them? Or my, my, uh, or we would say, has anyone seen a tall man, uh, David Hebert and so forth? So what, uh, what will happen then is if we would write to the headquarters office, and my mother would write to the headquarters office and supposedly both letters would arrive there somewhat at the, around the same time. One letter would be put into the other one and sent to the other party of, and then one party would know where the other one is. And so in the meantime, now of course, we had lost uh, track of each other, but uh, as we were getting closer to our goal, we did find, and I will tell that story shortly, of how we will, were reunited with my father. But uh, at the time that we crossed the border, he had been with us for only a few days. And we decided that we need to cross now. My father was now in charge of the family. And uh, he inquired what would be the best way to cross. He heard about a man who was a guide, acted as a guide, to lead people across for a small fee. 
because most people didn't have much money at that time. And so he immediately got in touch with that guide. He wasn't very far from where we were staying right then. And uh, he asked the guide, would you lead us, our family, across the border? Well, how many of you are there? Well, there are six of us. Six of you? Well, that's not going to be so easy. All right, he said, uh, I will consider it. But as the time came closer, he told us he changed his mind. He will not do that. Because uh, just the night before, when he was planning to lead us across the border, he led a family across and they were almost caught. And he said, it's not worth it to me. You can give me all the money that you have, which we didn't have anyway, uh, but I will not lead you across. We would, it's too dangerous. My father was a man who would not be uh, uh, put off too easily. And so he said, all right, if you won't lead us across the border, tell us, when would you lead us across the border? If you did, what time would you go? Where would you go? What advice would you give us? The guide told us, if I would lead you across the border, I would lead you across early in the morning. You see, there are several shifts of the patrolling officers. The early shift or the night shift, by about 5.30 in the morning, they are tired and they're ready to go off the shift. And they're not as careful as they were when they first came on the shift. And at that time, the morning shift hasn't taken over. And so that is your best time. Also, you need to cross in an area that is quite wooded, a lot, a lot of trees, not thick forest, but a lot of trees. And uh, what you need to do is you need to follow this particular road. And presently, you will come to a railroad track on the side. Now, on this, each side of the railroad track, there were little stakes and with insulators, they had a wire attached to those stakes. And so he said, if you touch those wires, uh, they, are, they don't have electricity in them, but uh, they send off a signal, sort of a zing signal. And if that happens, that alerts the guards right away and your escape story is all finished. We were traveling at this time with all our earthly goods. We had two bicycles, we didn't ride them. We packed bags of clothes and whatever we had left onto these bicycles and guided them on our way and we're walking toward the border. He said, when you get to that railroad tracks, make sure that you lift those bicycles over that wire. Otherwise, you're in trouble. So we did as we were to told and we would follow his directions. But before we started, my father talked to my brother and me. We were young boys at the time, you know, and so he said, look boys, if you fall in the process of us crossing and you hurt yourself badly, that the blood is even running, do not make a sound. Because if you make a sound, if you cry, we are all dead. Well, we understood that. And so early in the morning, we had prayer and we decided to follow the directions that the guide gave us. He also told us that this path that we would see after we crossed the railroad tracks was a path that would lead us into the wooded area, but we needed to be careful not to veer off that path 
because uh, as we continued on that path, we would presently come to a broken down fence and gate. And as we crossed there, then we would come to German territory. And so it seemed very simple. Of course, early in the morning, 5.30 as I recall, we had special prayer and we asked our guide who never lost a battle, who never left us alone, we asked him to guide us and to direct us. And we were off. Well, presently we saw everything as the guide had said. There was the, were the railroad tracks. There was the wire. We were very careful. We were successful crossing that. And then we saw the path and we were excited. We went down the path. The sun had not uh, come up yet. And so it was a little dark. But we proceeded on the path and we were all excited. Soon we would be free. When all of a sudden, in the distance, we saw the, the form of a man. And we froze, as it were, but we had gone too far. He saw us and we saw him. We did not know exactly who he was. And as he came closer, we realized that he was in a uniform. And that caused even more fear to our hearts. So, as he approached us, he said to my father, escaping? What could my father say? Yes. Oh, he said, not that way. You are headed right toward a patrol guard. You need to retrace your steps, and then you will come to that path that you were told to go on. Well, my father was really afraid, and fear always <laughs> seized us. So, as he at first hadn't noticed that the, the uniform that, the, that this man had, he was a forestry officer, not a soldier. And so we were much relieved. And he was very kind. He told us not to be afraid, to correct our steps, and then we would get back on the right path and keep going. Well, we were excited. How, how could we fail now? And so we kept on walking. Uh, we found where we had gone wrong. And as we continued on, again, we met someone in uniform. And we were really in fear. What, what would happen now? Again, the second time, it was a forestry officer. Not the same man, a different man. And this repeated three times. The, the third forestry officer said to us, now don't be afraid. I think he recognized on our, the expression of our face that we, were, we had gone through quite an ordeal and we just couldn't take much more. He said, don't be afraid. You don't have very far to go. Very soon you will see that broken down fence and that gate that's hanging on one hinge. You cross there and you will be in German territory. West Germany, you will be free. Well, we were excited and true to his word, very soon we saw that uh, broken down fence and gate and we crossed there and we were so excited when all of a sudden we saw an army officer on a bicycle whistling a tune uh, coming right toward us. And we were just frozen in our tracks, but he didn't pay any attention to us. He whistled a tune, kept right on going and we realized, oh, this was a West German officer, and he was used to the fact that quite a few refugees escaped 
and he was quite happy to welcome us because we too were Germans. So Jacob, there were six of you. So it was you, your mom and your dad, yes. and then your auntie. Yes. And then to another brother and a sister. Brother and a sister. Okay, so what, what were your ages roughly? I was six at the time. My brother was 11 and my sister was 19. And then the two bicycles with all your stuff yes. that you had to pick yes. up over the wire. And God, obviously, those, when I read your book, those forestry officers, I'm sure they were angels. We want to ask, when we get to heaven, we want to ask which one of the angels were sent. It'll be interesting. But as we crossed the border, we were, of course, delighted. When we were far enough away from the border, we made a little pause and thanked the Lord for his leading. And uh, as we met people, they asked us, how many of you were there crossing the border this last night or morning? We said, six of us. They said, six of you, who has ever heard that? And none of you uh, had been harmed? No, we all made it. And uh, it was really interesting because that same night, there were about a number of, uh, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how many, but a number of young men who decided to storm the border and uh, only 10 of them made it. Most of them were shot. And uh, we talked to those people while we were on the train in, on West German soil. As we came across the West German government, because we were refugees and had nothing, we were able to ride the train free until they would get us to a place where we could uh, have accommodation. So you made it to Canada. What was it like for you just going to school, trying to make it? Like, it wasn't easy for you, was it? No. We came to Canada in 1949, and uh, of course, we had to pay for our trip. So that was all borrowed money. And my dad was the only wage earner in the family at the time. And uh, so when it came to my education, I got the basic training, grade eight, Later on, I took some correspondence and tried to finish up high school, but we really didn't have money for a lot of education, especially university training. And so I settled down with my family. We had a young family. At this time, our youngest uh, child was born, our oldest child was born, and uh, uh, we had another one on the way and uh, decided that we would uh, settle down on a farming operation. It was quite a rocky start, but it ended up quite uh, well for us financially. After four years, we had everything paid for in our farming business. And since I had always wanted to become a minister, at that point, the thought came to me, this is what you wanted to do. If you sold everything you had now, you would have enough money to go through university, that is seven years of university to finish my ministry. We prayed about it. We invited our pastor to come and visit with us and we told him all the pros and cons of where we found ourselves and asked him what his thought was. Just uh, a week before that, another young couple had talked to that same pastor of ours 
and they were anxious to go to school to train for the ministry. And he advised them that that would not be a good idea because the financial burden that they had, that would not work. And I said to my wife, you know, the pastor will probably tell us it's a bad idea to stay where you are. But no, when he heard our story, he said, I can tell you nothing else, but go for it. I believe the Lord is leading you. So the, we needed another miracle now. We needed to sell our place. And I said to my wife, I said, you know, if we sell our place, we can't afford a real estate agent. If we can sell without any commission, we would have enough money for seven years where I would have no earnings and where we would only have expenses to see us through university. Mind you, also at this time, some of this time, our children were of the age where they went to school and we had to pay for them for church school. So the Lord was good in a marvelous way. So one Friday afternoon, three men came to our door and they said, we heard that your place was for sale just by word of mouth. And is that true? Yes, I said. All right, we are interested in your place and we want to see everything. I said, you know, today is Friday. Tomorrow is my Sabbath, and I have a lot of work to do to get ready for the Sabbath. Why don't you come back on Monday? Well, they would not hear of it. They said, look, can you spare even a little bit of time for us? Show us briefly the buildings, the house, and so forth, and then we will be on our way and we'll come back on Monday. But they insisted before they left, we want to give you a sizable a down payment on this uh, property so that you won't sell it to somebody else. So we did that. They went on their way and this miracle, it was a real miracle that God performed. Jacob, unfortunately we have run out of time and I'm gonna have to ask you to pray for us as we close this episode together. All right, let us pray. Gracious Father in heaven, we do thank thee so much that we can call thee our Father and that you love your children more than even earthly parents love them. We thank thee so much, Lord, that we can look back in our lives and know exactly where you have intervened on our behalf, where you have saved us, where you have directed us. And Lord, we want to take this time to thank thee from the bottom of our hearts. And we pray that you would never leave us as you have promised, and continue to guide us through to the end until you come, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Jacob, for sharing your story to this point, and we look forward to meeting with you again next week. My pleasure. Friends, our free offer today was written by Pastor Jacob Hibbert. It is his story entitled Freedom's Journey. This book details the full story of how Jacob and his family were determined to follow God no matter what. Their heart-stopping journey displays the signs of God's hand leading his children in such a faith-building story. Freedom's journey reveals how we serve a great God who is able to lead you too when you put your trust in Him. 
Before you go, we would also like to invite you to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel and also listen to our podcasts. And if you go to our website, you can see our latest programs, including our cooking demonstrations, our short spiritual messages entitled Daily Living, and our exercise workouts called Experiencing Life. We want you to experience the truth that is found in the words of Jesus when he said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to watch a video of this podcast, please visit iiw.ca or you can go to our IIW Canada YouTube channel and click on the videos tab. Once again, thank you so much for listening.